29 and 28. Remanded in custody. Hello everybody, no your ears are not deceiving you, this is the Garbage Pod, but we're taking you on a journey in an episode I like to call, Acceptable in the 80s. And what better way to start the show than giving it a quintessentially British 1980s summertime feel with the Radio 1 Roadshow introduction. Younger listeners and our overseas friends may not know what the Radio 1 Roadshow is all about, but all will be revealed in a moment. Once again, I'm not on my own, as on the line should be Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and making his official Garbage Pod debut is John Witts. How you doing, gents? Not bad. I'm doing good. How you doing? Yeah, fine, fine. How you doing, gents? <laughs> well, let's get the show on the road, if you'll excuse the pun, with a little insight into the Radio 1 Roadshow. Never mind solstices and Stonehenge. In the not-so-distant past, the first day of British summertime was always officially signalled by the departure of the Radio 1 Roadshow on its annual epic circumnavigation of the British coast, bringing a little of the happy sound to a seaside resort near you. Back then, the stirring sight of that red, white and blue Roadshow truck and the prospect of 90 minutes of patented, wonderful 247 fun and games was enough to lure millions to their local pleasure beach or municipal park each summertime morning. The blueprint was simple. A man in a personalised white bomber jacket and shorts playing Brother Louie by Modern Talking in front of 30,000 nonplussed holidaymakers. Every morning for seven weeks of the calendar, at 11am precisely, the roadshow would burst on air, linking up Minehead with the millions. The masses tuned in their radios to 275 or 285 to hear this. Radio One Roadshow. Today, with the 10th anniversary edition from the North Thistle Beach New Key, with special guest Alan Freeman and star DJ Mike Reeds. Welcome to New Key. The sun's shining, we've got a wonderful crowd, thanks to Simon. And we're going to kick off with a bit of the double tree. Gary Glitter and the crowd who have their mouths open. So who were these emissaries of fun? 
The roll call was headed by the hairy Rice Krispie himself, Dave Lee Travis. Oh, no, I don't believe it. There was the fresh-faced, hip, young tea-time gunslinger, Peter Powell. Guitar strumming Breakfast Supremo, Mike Reed, and zany bonkers Steve Wright, with guest appearances from Mr. Angry, Sid the Manager, and of course, Gervais the Hairdresser, plus bronze medallion sporting knit in the middle, Gary Davis. Hi, Gary here. Only two chances left to see the British summer at its best. Only two days left to wear your boxer shorts with pride. Join us tomorrow for day four of the Bit in the Middle Roadshow. Oh, where are you going to be? We're in Madeira Drive in Brighton. Thanks, Gary. And what time does it all start? It all starts at 10, and we're on air at 11. See you tomorrow. See you, Gary. The generalissimo of the Radio On Roadshow was Smiley Miley, a genial West Country jester charged with transporting the entire BBC cavalcade from resort to resort. He also conducted the mileage game, which excitingly revolved around audience members guessing how far the roadshow had trundled from the previous day's location. But when Smiley Miley was around, literally anything could happen. What do you believe, Smiley Miley on an elephant? But the most thrilling point of the roadshow was always the moment the listeners heard this. One more record to bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. The roadshow's perennial music riddle me re, involving four members of the audience being plucked up on stage and challenged to identify ten snippets of chart-busting hits interspersed with that noise. Meanwhile, our compere would be chatting up the holidaymakers and conducting scintillating interviews with local characters. And the third person on this bit, Wayne Kinton from Leicester. Hi, Wayne, you here on holiday? Yeah. Come by train, I can hear it in the background. Hello, Hello Mr Driver. And then, after the curtain had come down, there was the rare opportunity to obtain the priceless artefact that is Andy Peebles' autograph. Then it was time to raid the Goodie Mobile, which served up a bountiful array of 275 or 285 merchandise, including the much sought after Mike Reed Tee Mug and those Radio 1 fluffy bugs. Don't bug me, I'm listening to Radio 1. And even those quilted jackets the DJs wore while on official engagements opening supermarkets and attending motor rallies. And then it was time for the Radio 1 Circus to pack up and leave town, heading off to who knows where. Well, actually, it was Great Yarmouth. But perhaps we should leave the last word to a man whose winsome sonnet became a staple of the roadshow in the long, hot summer of 1983. Yes, hapless balladeer F.R. David. See you soon, Radio 1. Thanks to the guys at tvcream.co.uk for that. TV Cream are celebrating their 15th birthday this year. Their website is in Aladdin's Cave of Nostalgia, so why not pay them a visit? I'll include a link to TV Cream in the show notes. 
We were usually on our family holiday when the roadshow was making its way across the country, but my dad always had it tuned on in the car. I can remember hoping that the roadshow would visit the town nearest to where we were staying on holiday, but usually disappointed to find it was in the area when we had returned home. I thought it would be a great idea to recreate one of the traditions of the roadshow with a bit of a twist. So who's up for a round of bits and pieces TGP style? Awesome. Sounds brilliant. Okay, let's have a quick run through of the rules of the game. I'll play ten pieces of audio in a row, separated by the famous sound effect. The original 1980s version of the game just had pop music clips to identify, but the 2012 TGP version has a couple of twists. Firstly, all the clips are from well-known pop songs and movies, but the music clips have been electronically modified to make it a little bit more tricky. The movie clips have not been modified, but maybe from not so well-known sound bites from popular movies. Okay, this is how the game is scored. I'll give you one point for the name of the artist or group, and a point for the name of the song during a music clip, and I'll give you one point for the name of the movie in a movie clip. So that's a possible 15 points. Also, there may be some bonus points to gain when the answers are revealed. John, are you ready? I am. Adri, are you ready? A wooga. <laughs> so let's play... Bits and Pieces! Yeah, well, history is going to change. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Hey, laser lips! Your mama was a snowblower! You stuck up half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. You look down and you see a tortoise, Leon. It's crawling towards tortoise? you. Tortoise? What's that? You know what a turtle is? Of course. Same thing. Bits and pieces! So, how do you think you both did? Awful. Yeah, I think it's going to be a dash in front of the numbers for me. <laughs> Would you know, like to know the answers? Yeah, put me out of my misery, please. Ah, well, you'll have to wait till later on in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Welcome back to the 80s with the Garbage Pod. If I said regional ident... What would that mean to you? Um, something that is unique to the area you're in, the country. Okay. So, so it identifies like us, you know, southeast. Okay. What I'll do is I'll play you a little clip, and then you tell me what the clip reminds you of. Okay.
Well, I think both of you should recognise at least one of those. <laughs> well, it sounded very regal with a hint of evening news. <laughs> yeah, I think I got maybe three, maybe four. Yeah, so a regional ident was a signature tune or a logo used to identify the various ITV independent television stations around the UK. In recent years, the ITV regions merged as one, creating ITV One, and alas, the regions losing their identity. And this meant these wonderful signature tunes disappearing from our screens. Thanks to the likes of YouTube, TV Arc, and various other websites, these gems have been preserved. So, what uh, tunes do you think you recognise from there, if any? Any ideas, John? Right, I think I got to look at the national anthem a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Anglia TV. Yep. Years ago, with, with the guy on the horse with the shield in the in the armour. Yep, yep, that was one of them. Well, what you actually got there, you had um, Harlech Television, which was obviously Wales, but you might remember it from, uh, it, it used to be the ident before programmes like Robin of Sherwood in the 80s. Uh, then you had Central Television. Mm-hmm. Uh, many famous TV shows were made by Central, for example, Alvida St. Pet. Um, then you had ATV, which was the um, station before Central. Uh, Central um, bought them out in 1982, and that was a powerhouse of classic television and created the cult children's Saturday morning show that was Tizwas. Uh, then there was um, Television South, um, obviously for the South, <laughs> based in Maidstone, Kent, and they were responsible for the Saturday morning TV show number 73, uh, which launched the careers of comedian Sandy Toxfig and the artist Neil Buchanan. Uh, then you had Thames Television. Uh, some of the best television um, in the UK came from Thames Television in the uh, 80s, including classic animation from Cosgrove Hall Studios, and these produced the likes of Danger Mouse and Count Duckula. Two uh, epic cartoons. Excellent. Uh, unfortunately, the, the two um, people who wrote and produced them are, are no longer with us. They got, um, both died within the last two or three years. So there won't be anything even close to that now um, then you had um, London Weekend Television um, which it seemed to be a really weird thing to have a split television set up where Thames Television was Monday to Friday and uh, London Weekend Television took over from um, 6 o'clock in the evening Friday till 6 o'clock in the morning Monday morning who came up with that idea? I have no idea. But it seemed to work from 1968 till 2002. Uh, then you had the Yorkshire Television. Uh, and obviously the, the most famous programme that Yorkshire Television have ever come up with is well, Emmerdale, which obviously in the 80s was Emmerdale Farm. For some reason they got rid of the farm bit. Maybe it was mad cow's disease or something, I don't know. It's because they spend all the time in the pub. Nay, <laughs> <laughs> nay, Mr. Wilkes, yes. Um. <laughs> Morganus, Jack. 
And um, then finally, Channel 4. In 1982, the IBA, the Independent Broadcasting Authority, launched the first public service television channel since BBC Two in 1964. So, until 1982, there was three channels. <laughs> wow, that's mental. People must have actually gone out and had a life. Yeah. <laughs> or go down the pub. But... Um, the first programme to be shown at launch on Channel 4 is its longest-running programme, and it's still on air today. I'll give you a clue anyway. Double Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Jeopardy. Because if it was Jeopardy, it would... Um probably sound something like this <laughs> yeah anyway so easy to get those two confused <laughs> I do it every time well at least you're not getting it confused with get up, Peter. <laughs> at 4.45 on the 2nd of November 1982 Countdown launched Channel 4 and was hosted by Richard Whiteley until he died in 2005 for listeners who don't know of Countdown, it can be best described as, well, a quiz show version of the board game Boggle. <laughs> but with someone hot presenting it normally, and numbers? Well, now it has, yeah. I wouldn't exactly call Carol Vorderman hot. Maybe in the 80s she was. Mm, I wouldn't say so, but there you go. But Rachel Riley, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Shotgun. <laughs> Okay, join us again after this short break. You can't sing, you can't play, you look awful. You'll go a long way. Oh, hey, I bet he drinks Carling Black Label. Nah, he doesn't wash his underpants. Your best bet for a fuller flavour. Fresh cream cakes, naughty. But Happiness is a cigar called Hamlet, a mild cigar. They're tasty, tasty, very, very tasty. They're very tasty. Just the one Cornetto, give it to me. Good. There's a bloke down here with no strides on. Bastards. The Australian for lager. You're listening to the Garbage Pod. As you can probably guess, we don't actually have commercials on <laughs> the Garbage Pod. But um, there's a little montage of 1980s advertising. Definitely remember that um, that Foster's one. Yeah, there, there was quite a few of those, uh, the, the Foster's ones, with um, Paul Hogan. That's it. The Australian fella. Oh, I remember the, and I'm not sure if this was a crossover, because they went on so long, but it was the, uh, was it the couple in, was it Nescafe? Coffee oh, ads? blimey. Yeah, it was kind of... It did cross over into the nineties, but it, it what I think it was something like twelve years that went on for. Gold Fine. gold blend. Ah, that was it. Advert. What about the uh, Bisto ads with Linda Bellingham? Was that the Bisto family? Or? Yeah, that, they yeah. they went on for well, they're still going. They just made one not too long ago. I don't know if you've seen the the latest one where the um, the youngest son has got his own apartment and he's uh, cooking for his girlfriend who's coming over and he's got his dad on Skype. 
Oh, right. And uh, he forgets that he's, he hasn't turned it off, and his dad's going, cool, you got the right one there, son. And uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> and the other one that was quite... Um, the old Yellow Pages advert with um, Fly Fishing by J.R. Hartley. Oh, yeah, I remember that bad boy. Do you remember the new one that they made of it where uh, a guy um, who's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, was a sort of a, a rave DJ in the 90s, and he's trying to find a record that he made, and his daughter's trying to look on Yellow Pages for it. I've not seen that one. Um, no, nor me, I don't think. Yeah, I can't remember what the record's called, but you could find it on YouTube. It was, <laughs> it was on there. It's quite a famous one. Hello. Anthony? Oh, congratulations on your exam results. Grandma, I failed. You failed? What do you mean you failed? I mean I failed. Maths, English, physics, geography, German, woodwork, art. I failed. You didn't pass anything? Pottery. Pottery? Very useful. Anthony, people will always need plates. Anything else? And sociology. And ology? It gets an ology and it says it's failed. You get an ology, you're a scientist. Whether it's well done or hard luck, a phone call says a lot. Those brilliant boys, the teachers who are wrong, you know, they can't mark. A lot of them can't see. British Telecom. It's you we answer to. Will it be chips or jacket spuds? Will it be salad or frozen peas? Will it be mushrooms, fried onion rings? You'll have to wait and see. Bird's Eye introduced Steakhouse Grills. Pure ground beef that you cook like a steak and serve like a steak. What will you give your old man with his Steakhouse Grill? Hope it's chips, it's chips. We hope it's chips, it's chips. Bird's Eye Steakhouse Grills. Now in lamb as well as beef. So there was two. So you had the first one, which was um, the BT campaign, which is the old uh, grandma played by Maureen Lipman, who was, funnily enough, called BT. <laughs> And uh, that campaign went on for a few years. It was her family um, just making phone calls to each other, basically. It's like uh, there was one where she's phoning her son every five minutes because he doesn't ever come round or visit or anything else, and she just keeps leaving messages on his answer phone and stuff like that. Um, And the second one was, well, Bird's Eye Steakhouse. And, uh, yeah, that was quite popular. A lot of people kept going around singing, we... I hope it's chips, it's chips, basically. I do remember that one. I do remember the tune. You might remember that one. Peora. That's too orangey for crows. It's just for me and my dog. I'll be your dog. Were you singing that like me as well, John? Sorry? Were you singing that as well as, as that yeah, was playing? Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. <laughs> Classics. Uh, so if you remember that one... Way down deep in the middle of the Congo A hippo took an every caught a rover and a mango He stuck it with the others and he danced it in the tango The rhino said, I know, we'll call it Umbango Umbango, 
the trigger did he come Go and bite and pick the ration from the mama Set the mandarin, the power painted Man, it's got the hunk of Google land it is So when it comes to sun and fun and goodness in the jungle They all prefer the sunny funny one they call Umbongo Libby's Umbongo High juice drinks Free from artificial ingredients Yeah Now the unfortunate thing is They have relaunched Umbongo <laughs> Why would they do that? Because it was good in its day, but now they've taken all the E numbers out and it's got no taste. <laughs> a bit like Mountain Dew that we get over here, yeah? You have to get the energy drink to get the real kick. Yeah, and it still doesn't taste anything like the American one. And why does it right. have to be that bloody awful colour? No idea. Because the Mountain Dew in America is, is, well, it's not clear, but it's not like that, that's for certain. No. It's not um, luminous. No. Radioactive green. It's probably that, that. That's what it is. They can't get rid of all this nuclear waste, <laughs> so they're bottling it and selling it as Mountain Dew. <laughs> as you drink, nice. Because <laughs> technically, you know, it's come from the power plant, so energy, you know. <laughs> probably explains why it got banned in this country for so long. Well, you see, the original Mountain Dew has got a lot of caffeine in it, but then most soft drinks in America have got quite a bit of caffeine in it. <laughs> That if, explains a few things. If you get um, uh, Coke Classic, um, that's pretty high in caffeine. And uh, they've got these new range, where well, they've been around for quite a while in America, they call them throwback, throwback series. And um, they're uh, soft drinks with the original taste from, well, probably the 1970s, 1960s, 1970s. I mean, they've... Um, got like Dr Pepper with its original recipe, not the modern equivalent of. Uh, let's see if I've got another one that you might remember. Try that one. Oh, we are the lads from Country Life, and you'll never put a better bit of butter on your knife if you haven't any. Have a word with your wife and spend it on your toast in the morning. It's Country Life, it's English too. For... Who's this? Don't know. What in New England? Hello. What are you going? Oh, bye. Oh, bye. Bye. So go spread it on your toast in the morning. Country life. You'll never put a better bit of butter on your knife. Yes, long before the days of uh, Johnny Rotten doing the country <laughs> life adverts. They did. They know how to advertise back then, didn't they? Just literally, just play a catchy tune. That people will be able to pick out one or two words and get their kids to bug their parents to buy stuff. Unfortunately, we made another version of that song when we were at school, which I won't go into now because it's a bit rude. But just let's just say that the product wasn't butter; it was Durex. Let's um, change onto another uh, advert. I'm going to tell you how it's going to be with Scotch's lifetime guarantee. Take what you want both night and day. Then re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. Every recording as good as the first, or we'll give you a new tape. You can watch Scotch forever. Re-record, not fade away. Yeah, I'll do that. It's with the skeleton, wasn't it? Talking yep. about Scotch videotapes. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, lifetime guarantee on a videotape. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> How many videotapes do you both still have? I've got uh, quite a few. 
but that's because I want to convert them. <laughs> How about yourself, John? Uh, none. Not one. Yeah, I, I don't think I've. I don't think I've got any. I think my mum's still got a few like old ones with programs on that she recorded 20 years ago. She's never going to watch again. Yeah, I've got lots of television programs that I'd like to convert into a digital file. Um, and some of this stuff will probably end up on YouTube. <laughs> nice. What sort of programs are you thinking about? Well, I've got really classic programs. These are not. Some of these are not from the 80s. I've got one called um, Prison Break. And I don't know if you remember that. It was on, uh, I think it was on Channel 4, and it was hosted by Craig Charles. And basically, there was, it was a bit like Big Brother. These people were locked up in a prison. That they've made this prison, and they've locked them up, and there's clues on how to get out. And the first one to actually escape wins prize money. No, I don't remember that. No, I don't. It's quite, well, I remember it only for the fact that it's got Craig Charles in it, you see. So. <laughs> it sounds like you need to get that sorted and then uh, send us all the clips. <laughs> <laughs> see Craig Charles in his heyday away from Robot Wars. Yeah, um, there's another one that he did called... Uh, let me think what it was called now I think it's called Space Cadets it was a, a quiz show uh, a little bit like um, they think it's all over but it was all about science fiction okay um, he was the quiz master and you had Greg Proops I don't know if you remember Greg Proops he used to be yeah on, he used to be on Whose Line Is It Anyway that's the guy and on the he was a team captain on one side and on the other side was Bill Bailey oh wow actually quite a good programme. It sounds like it'd be pretty funny. Because uh, they're all sort of like sci-fi geeks anyway, so... <laughs> That's a good point, actually. The original Whose Line Is It Anyway with Clive Anderson, was yep. that late 80s or was that 90s? Very late 80s. Uh, 88, 89. Uh, obviously went into the mid-1990s and launched quite a lot of people's careers. Uh, like Tony Slattery, yeah. Tony Slattery, Paul Merton, um, John Sessions. Um, the other people in there was probably it launched their careers in the UK. They were already well known in their respective countries. Like Mike McShane was already quite famous in Canada, and um, Ryan Styles, um, Greg Proops, already quite well known in America because they did things on things like. Uh, Saturday Night Live yeah programs like that this is the garbage pod what we're gonna do right here is go back so obviously now we've gone into the realms of television um, and we've already started talking about some programs and what television programs in your eyes uh, stands out for you from the 1980s Oh, definitely the A-Team. That's normally the first one people come up with. Um, yeah, A-Team's a big one. Um, I'm trying Night to think. Rider. Yeah, Night, Night Rider's Night, 80s, Night Rider's definitely up there. Street Hawk. Yeah. Ooh, Airwolf. yeah, nice. Remember having the manuals. Yeah, Airwolf. Yep. Um, Blue Thunder, which was another version of Airwolf, really. Um, how many remember... Um. Oh, what was the name of it? Auto Man. Auto Man. 
No. That might be one looking worth looking up on um, YouTube. It's very Tron orientated. Uh, it's a it's a guy that's been created on somebody's computer, and he goes around defeating villains and stuff. Oh, is yeah. he a bloke made out of electricity? Kind or of. Or he's, and he's got a little helper thing called Sherco or something. And Cursor. That the car. Cursor. That's it. And he's that got a car that car. can go ninety degree angles. It sort of goes. Zip, zip, zip. Yeah, in about a million miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all got like blue lights all over it, just like the characters from Tron. Yeah. Yeah, that's Auto Man. Excellent. No, I don't remember that. Brilliant <laughs> <laughs> the description for somebody who doesn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one called Manimal, uh, which was a guy that could turn himself... He, he got bitten by something in some jungle somewhere along the line. He's now got the ability to turn himself into countless different types of animals to get himself out of situations. Oh, right. Well, I'm just having to think about other stuff from the 80s, and um, I can't, we've, we've forgotten about the classic that was the Cosby Show. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the the, the perfect family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prince of Bel Air. Uh, no. no. That Is was that 90s. Yeah, just just over the border. The one that, that scrapes into the uh, 80s by a year. Uh, the first series of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, Literally eighty nine. Uh, there was loads of good stuff that came out in the eighties, mainly kids shows that you remember, obviously because kids. Yeah, Transformers. Transformers is very classic eighties. Uh, the cats. Yeah, the old Thunderpants. Yeah. Thundercats. Oh, yeah! Fancy having a leader that's named after a um, floor covering. Bite your tongue! Did you just swear, Mister Taylor? Fudging, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's outrageous! Quite frankly. Oh, Alf. Yeah, oh, yeah. Any life form, yes. Anyway, don't yeah. worry about anything I say. It can all be sorted in the dub. <laughs> the end dubs. Um, yeah, what else was there? You mentioned Al. Bigfoot and Hendersons. Yeah, oh, that was brilliant. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, the Wonder Years. Was that 80s or was that 90s? I can't remember. It was remember. 1988. Are you on bloody Wikipedia? Google. No. <laughs> I'm actually telling the truth. I'm not on Wikipedia or Google. I'm on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Good old internet movie database. Woohoo! Anyway. <laughs> but for a minute, I was looking very credible. Until <laughs> my cover was blown. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, MacGyver. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Was, was that the 80s? Had to be, yeah. 1985, would you, Adam and Eve? Really? It didn't get over here till much later. Um, I guess not. But it's official, it was 85. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in, 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 in America, it possibly would be, because, I mean, uh, you had programs like um, Star Trek The Next Generation, 
uh, which came out in 19, and this is off the top of my head, 1987 in America. Yeah. We had it in 91, didn't we? Something like that. Uh, it must have been 1990, because I was over in Greece when it came out. Here's another one for you. Name that 80s show with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd. Oh, yes. Classic theme tune. Is it called Sybil? No, it was called Moonlighting. Uh, Classic. It was about a detective agency, wasn't it? Yeah, do we do we have the theme tune anywhere that we could... Uh... Possibly. Um, just bear Write with. the theme tune, sing the theme tune. No, that wasn't... It wasn't um... <laughs> Dennis Waterman. Don't put an advert up afterwards. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be classic if I did. <laughs> um, yeah, keeping on the, the trend, we've got uh, Florida's famous four ladies. Golden Girls? Yeah. Yeah. Which there was an English remake of that. Does anybody know what that was called? The Senile Years? <laughs> Senile Girls? <laughs> it was called the Brighton Bells. Oh yeah, Florida, Brighton... Mm-hmm. It should have been Eastbourne, really, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Pass it up a bit. <laughs> There's more more um, <gasps> mobility scooters to the square mile than anywhere else in the UK. Nice. See, this is always... like Formula One. <laughs> Going through these things is just, it brings back all the memories. If I was just to say two words, biddy biddy. Oh, I've got every episode of that. Yeah. And strictly speaking, that was the late 70s, but it did go into the 80s. That's what I mean, yeah, because I can see it went into the 80s. Ah. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> You've just one. reminded me of an absolutely brilliant one. What? Metal Mickey. One. Metal Mickey. Oh, I've got a couple of episodes of that as well. What the buck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock. Oh, look, Mar, there's a Fraggle. <laughs> now that's a theme tune that needs to be played in down a bag of rock <laughs> I'm not joking I want that theme tune oh hello CVS that's not rag or rock
Fight for it. Ooh, a fuego! Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> hey, look, Ma! I got a fuego! Wicked. I know that too well. That's really, really sad. <laughs> Excellent. I just bopping away to the old Fraggle Rock. That was just awesome. Here's one for you. What's the connection between Fraggle Rock and Brookside? Scousers. Well, yeah. Jimmy Workshop. Um, there was um, a guy. The original series of Fraggle Rock used to have this old guy that used to run the uh, the lighthouse, which Fraggle Rock was underneath. And um, it then got taken over by a new lighthouse keeper. It was a guy called Simon O'Brien, who used to be in Brookside. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, there is a connection. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of some of the uh, English kid shows... I mean, obviously, you had things like... Um, I mean, Andrew probably wouldn't remember uh, uh, was, which did go into the 80s, just. Uh, about 1982, it finished. Um, yeah, no, that is lost on me. But that was probably an awesome programme. And then you had programmes like... Um, oh, does anybody remember the Telebugs? I think so. Now, the Telebugs were... They were like, difficult to explain them. They were like these little robot superheroes that were inside the mainframe computer system. It was another thing like Tron, um, but it was English, uh, an English cartoon series. And there was quite a few classic English cartoon series, like, well, for example, Duckular and and um, Danger Mouse and um, uh, Trapdoor. Oh, uh, yeah, they're classics. Um, Banana Man. <laughs> Can I break into my quote from Count Duckula? Go on, then. You can't do that, Ducky Booze. <laughs> my fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nurse was brilliant. Now, Trapdoor, here's, here's a little piece of useless information. One of the characters in Trapdoor was this little spider thing, and his name was Drut. And Drut backwards is Turd. <laughs> nice. I don't know how many other people recognised, realised that one, but well, I certainly did. <laughs> nice. So when you go through the trapdoor, you're left with a turd. <laughs> <laughs> but that was dear old. Um, Willie Rushton, who was the voice for for um, Burke and all the characters, Boney and him upstairs. Burke, yeah. feed me. Old Lobbits. Um, yeah. <laughs> Used to love that. Um, I've just seen that one of my favourite shows of all time, sorry to interrupt there, buddy, but one of my favourite all time shows started in 1989. Which was he? He realised that he could tr- time travel within his own lifetime. Quantum leap. Yeah. 
Oh boy. He stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and <laughs> vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own. And then he turned into Jonathan Archer, the first captain of the Enterprise. Yeah, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a leap he chose. <laughs> he, did, he also didn't do it very well, because normally he leaps out within a few days, but he was stuck on that for years. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, just so many good stuff. I'd forgotten how much good stuff was created in the 80s. But some of it, you look back at it now and say, <laughs> did I actually watch that? <laughs> yeah. You did, though, because you were part of the 80s. Crichton, what are you doing, man? Oh, sir, I'm listening to The Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere. So let's cover these um, answers to... Bits and pieces! The first one... Nobody got the first one, I gather. No. Okay, the first one should have sounded like this. So, yeah, that was um, Bruce Springsteen, Dancing in the Dark. Originally reached number 28 in the UK charts when it was released in May 1984. However, the song was re-released in January 85 and reached number four. Okay, the second clip, which was... Yeah, well, history is going to change. It's kind of in the title. Kind of. History is going to change. Think about it. Changing history. Column leap. Try Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Ah, yeah, okay. Released in uh, 1985 and became the most successful film of that year, grossing $383 million worldwide. Wow. The third clip. Did anybody get that one? No. It should have sounded something like this. Spit an image. Yeah, Spit an image, a chicken song. Uh, the lyrics were written by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, the creators of Red Dwarf, and reached number one in the UK charts for three weeks in May 1986. Shame I didn't get it then, really. <laughs> okay. If you'd have played the original article, you scoundrel. <laughs> you know this one. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Oh. oh, Kelly LeBrock. Oh. Yes, please. Can I have some more? Did you know that one, John? No. Do you, do you Weird know, science. Do you know the film Weird Science? Yeah, the one where two guys muck about with a computer and create a woman. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. You so, forgot so to plug in the doll. <laughs> <laughs> Classic quote, that one. So I get a point, at least. Yeah, you got a point for that one. Um, Weird Science was released in August 1985 and made 
$38 million worldwide. The theme tune for the movie was performed by Oingo Boingo, whose lead singer, Danny Elfman, is more famous for composing scores for blockbuster movies and TV shows, including Alice in Wonderland and The Simpsons. Uh, okay. Okay, the next one. Did anybody get that? I'm all out of answers, so it's all on John now, really. Oh, no pressure then. Nice. No. What that one should have sounded like is... You're joking. Radio Gaga by Queen. The single was a worldwide success for the band in January 84, reaching number uh, number one in 19 countries, but only got to number two in the UK chart. The song makes references to two important radio events of the 20th century. Firstly, Orson Welles' 1938 War of the Worlds broadcast in the lyric, Through Wars of Worlds Invaded by Mars, and Winston Churchill's This Was Their Finest Hour in, um, speech in the lyric, You've Yet to Have Your Finest Hour. Uh, nice. The next one. Hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. Short circuit. Oh, that's... Yes, it was oh. indeed. Short Circuit. <laughs> wow. The first one. Yes. Released in 1986, made over $40 million worldwide. The main character, Johnny Five, was designed by Sid Mead, uh, famous for his work on the futuristic movies such as Alien and Tron. And apparently they're going to remake it. Oh, excellent. No, don't say excellent. They need to get their own ideas and stop remaking things that were good in the 80s and 90s. Ah, but it's just evidence of how awesome the 80s was. <laughs> yeah, because the remake's going to be naff. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Like Total Recall. I'm hoping that is going to be okay. I haven't seen it yet. Well, obviously it doesn't come out till Wednesday, but... Um, if it's not got Arnie in it... Well, he's not exactly a brilliant actor, Arnie, but then again, nor is Colin Farrell. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that he was a brilliant actor, it's just that it's Arnie. It's like... Great. <laughs> um, so right. is that number six? Yeah, that's clip six. Clip okay. seven. Did anyone get clip seven? It should have sounded... So that was um, Stevie Wonder and I just called to say I love you. Uh, Reached number one in the UK singles chart in August 1984. And believe it or not, Stevie Wonder's only number one in the UK. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. Of all the songs that he's released and he's produced some really awesome tracks, that is the only one that's got to number one, which is probably his worst song ever. Uh, okay. Okay, clip eight. You stuck up, half witted, scruffy looking nerf herder. Did anybody get that one? And I, I know the, I, the voice is very, very familiar, and I should know the quote, but I couldn't you, think of it. You really should know the quote. It was from The Empire Strikes Back, and um, it's when Princess Leia's 
abusing Han Solo pretty much there. And he responds with the lines, Who's scruffy looking? <laughs> yes, yeah, I know I should know it, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Released in May 1980, made $538 million worldwide. To many fans, Empire Strikes Back is regarded as the favourite of the saga and seen as Star Wars for grown-ups. Um, critics slated the movie for not having a proper ending, but as we all know, this was George Lucas's intention. Yeah, because it's the middle one, so it doesn't need to have an ending. Yeah. Why would you have an ending for something that's the second part of a trilogy? Okay, uh, the next clip, clip nine. Did, John, did you get that, by the way? Sorry. No, I didn't. Dang. Clip nine. Sorry, Mark. Should have sounded like this. Ah, now, don't tell me it was Thunderdome or something. I don't need a hero, doesn't it? Uh, we, we don't, don't need a we hero. We didn't need another hero. Oh, um, released oh. in 1985 and reached number three in the UK chart, it was a theme tuned to what film? Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. See, I knew the Thunderdome was in there somewhere. So I'll give you both a bonus point for that bit. Mm. Um, don't give me well, you can't give me a bonus because I've heard it properly, haven't I? I've not got any, I didn't get the answer. But between the two of you, one said Mad Max, one said Thunderdome. So um, some in some countries, it's just called Mad Mad Max Thunderdome. Okay. Uh, which Tina Turner actually starred in? Uh, does anybody know the character name of Tina Turner in that movie? No. Uh, no. Her name was Auntie Entity. Now, oh. Tina Turner was backed by the King's House School Choir on that track, and one of the choir members who appeared on it became famous uh, famous in a totally different field. And there's a clue there. Does anybody know who this choir boy grew up to be? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Some kind of landscape garden. No, completely different. Completely wrong. Oh, so, as he was a choir boy, he ended up becoming an actor, yeah? No, not an actor. A director? Nope, not not even in that um, kind of work. I don't think anyone's going to get this one. one. This choir boy grew up to be former England and London Wasps rugby union captain Lawrence Delalio. No way. <laughs> OMG. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right, clip ten. Okay. You look down and you see a tortoise, Leon. It's crawling towards you. Tortoise? What's that? You know what a turtle is? Of course. Same thing. Very famous movie. Um, sci-fi. His name has been... Well, no. Uh, one of it's his, not The Abyss, is it? No. One, one of his characters has been mentioned already in one of the clips. The, the, um, this is the, the main actor of this film. It's definitely not Lawrence Delalio, is it? No. No. So Mel Gibson? 
No. If I was to say to you, um, has anybody seen Red Dwarf Back to Earth? Yes. Right, it's very heavily, uh, as a big homage to it in that. No, you've lost me, mate, I'm afraid. Blade Runner. Oh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, it was uh, reduced, released in um, June 25th, 1982. Um, uh, uh, Producer Alan Ladd Jr. chose this date as he considered it to be lucky because his previously highest grossing films opened on the 25th of the month, with Star Wars opening on the 25th of May, 1977, and Alien opening on the same date in 1979. Although grossing over $38 million worldwide, the gross for the opening weekend was a disappointing $6 million. Wow. The reason for this is because of other films that opened at the same time. Um, One being Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and E.T. The Extraterrestrial, which dominated the box office that summer. Wow. So, let's work this out. You've got two points each, haven't you? (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, t- I seem to recall that when we did a trial run uh, to see if we could get the concept to work, <laughs> it was a draw then as well. Yeah, it was two or three all, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> Excellent. So oh. John and I both officially suck as bad as each other at stuff from the 80s. Woo-hoo. Welcome back to the 80s with the Garbage Pod. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Garbage Pod with the acceptable in the 80s. Um, And I hope you will join us again soon. So it just leaves me to say goodbye to the fellas. So, um, well, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. It's good night from me. It's good night from him. And uh, (laughs) I will speak to you all again soon. And don't forget... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com That would be great if you could. Take care one and all and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye bye. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.